Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus today. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers on the 2021 season. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It easy podcast live on the believe podcast network happy friday everybody we have got an amazing show planned for you headed into our weekend juju talk sports and i over on the slump buster had a great conversation about john gruden that i really wanted to share with you guys because i think it is the most insightful and intellectual way that we have covered this story thus far Uh, Not to say anything about what we did on Tuesday where we impersonated John Gruden reading his prepared statement or the conversation we had with Blake Jude, but I think we really got in-depth with this conversation. I'm glad that we had it because I was looking for a way to cover this Gruden story, and I think we did a great job. So we will play that later on, and we have our picks of the week because I forgot to do that last Sunday, so we're going to do it on Friday this week. But first... There is no other place to start other than Major League Baseball, so let us celebrate the victory of those lousy Los Angeles Dodgers with a song that I regret to admit is an absolute banger. Shout out to Randy Newman. He's the guy who does all of the songs from Toy Story. You know, you got a friend in me, but he also sings this song. love LA. I do not, but the Dodgers did indeed win against the San Francisco Giants, and uh, that was a really fun series, wasn't it? We walk away feeling like both teams are kind of about where we thought they were, and man, the Dodgers had so much fun, so much fun going through that series, because yeah, the offense wasn't there all the way through, but then you see 
at the very end, both teams squandering opportunities. A 0-0 duel, one of these classic pitching matchups that people in their 50s will talk about as being really, really fun. But it was just a lot of everyone is leaving runners in scoring position left and right. Logan Webb and Luis Urias had a... I'm sorry, Julio Urias. Luis Urias plays for the Brewers, but Julio Urias had an awesome back-and-forth type game, and then... Of course, the Darren Ruff home run that I was watching on mute and just saw, I was like, oh my lord, he absolutely crushed it. My eyes got wide. I could just tell off the bat, oh, that one is long gone. And so it was. It came right down to the end. It just felt like someone was going to pull ahead. I wasn't sure. By the time he got to like the eighth inning, I'm like, someone's going to pull ahead. I don't know who. I don't know how, but someone's going to pull ahead. And for the Dodgers, it came on a hit-by-pitch, ironically. Like, that was the falling point for the Giants with the September's reliever of the month ending up falling at the end, which was kind of surprising, right? Like, the Giants had gone through this whole year. They had no expectations, and then we gave them expectations, and then that was the end, and you walk away with both those teams feeling evenly matched, and now we're going to get an Astros-Dodgers World Series that's going to be amazing, and I know I called that a week in advance, but got a really good feeling it's going to be a Dodgers and Astros World Series. We did a full preview of this over on the Slump Buster, so if y'all want to check that out on YouTube, it's got like a half hour of baseball content. But I will say for the Braves, Morton, Freed, Anderson, pitchers, that's going to be your key to taking down the Dodgers. Because as we saw in the end of this series, like the Dodgers are stoppable on offense. They really, really miss Max Muncy. It's a super top-heavy lineup. Mookie Betts came through in the clutch. Four hits somehow didn't do much except scoring the Corey Seager run. And it didn't really feel like Mookie was a huge part of the game despite having four hits because... The Dodgers and Giants, I think, combined were like 2 for 14 with runners in scoring position in that game, and both teams felt like they were just not only evenly matched, but evenly trying to let the other team win, so all of it was crazy and fun, and we got the series I think we deserved, which was... 2-2 with both teams winning in pretty dominant fashion. I know one of the Giants games was like 1-0, but still, it felt like both teams had control of the games that they won. They were evenly matched, and we got the chaos game at the very end that was kind of a chaos game, but was also a pitching duel, and the Dodgers had to like eke one out towards the end, and we don't see that too often from the Dodgers. Sometimes we're also used to seeing them lose in those situations, like they lost to the Nationals in 2019, they lost to the Cubs in 2016, they lose to the Cardinals in 2014, Mets 2015, like we're used to those types of falling apart in the close situations for the Dodgers but not this time around no 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 the Dodgers are gonna play the Atlanta Braves for the NLCS and win the de facto NLCS that we called this Dodgers Giants series because as fun as the Braves have been uh, this Braves team's not as good as last year's Braves team maybe it's not as good a Dodgers team as last year's Dodgers team yes but Dodgers should probably win that series pretty easily congrats to the Dodgers as reluctantly as I am coming from a guy who is wearing a Padres Fernando Tatis jersey right now. Your song is at least a banger, so we can celebrate that. So uh, with that being said, let us 
move on back to the John Gruden conversation and our boy Juju Tax Sports on the Slump Buster. As of Monday, John Gruden has officially resigned as the Las Vegas Raiders head coach. Now, what was the story? How this all came to be? There's an obvious investigation that went into the Washington football team regarding sexual misconduct allegations a few years ago. Bruce Allen, who is one of their higher ups there, I believe was the team president at the time, was a good friend of John Gruden. Now, as good friends tend to do, they shot a lot of emails back and forth. They had a lot of conversations. And some of those conversations were very derogatory towards several uh, groups. And those emails leaked. Now, the first one that leaked was the one regarding Demora Smith, where John Gruden felt the need to mention Demora Smith's lip size. Fast forward, John Gruden apologizes for the incident. And then several more emails leak, one of which had some not great things to say about Roger Goodell. Another had some terrible things to say about NFL female officiating. Michael Sam, that may be a name blast from the past, but that name came back into public relevance. John Gruden eventually... I think just to avoid the PR hit, decided I'm going to call it a day. You know, I'm done here because he didn't officially get fired, which I think is a good detail to mention because it makes you wonder. I think obviously that's him sacrificing the rest of his contract, which is about 60 million on a remaining six more years at 10 million to pop for the Raiders. So might be a safety net for Mark Davis there. What did you think of this whole situation when it first came out, Kyle? From a PR standpoint, because this is an important distinction that I wanted to bring up on the podcast, is separating this from the lazy tropes of stereotyping racist, of homophobic, misogynistic comments where even racist homophobes and misogynists agree what John Gruden said was racist, homophobic, and misogynistic. There's We don't really need to argue that side of it. So separating that from the PR aspect of the situation, where if it's just the Demore Smith email, John Gruden is going to survive this because he can stand up in front of the locker room and explain that one away. And people will give him the benefit of the doubt. At the very least, we all wanted to believe in the goodness of John Gruden. I think his players included, as well as us just looking from the outside, that this was not something with racist intent. This was just something that had had to do with, I think Gruden's explanation was that he calls everyone who lies rubber lip. So we wanted to believe that in the goodness of John Gruden. And I think from a PR standpoint, they could have accepted that and walked away. When you have seven years of emails knocking out five, six, seven different minority groups, that's when this is who you are or who you were in the not that distant past. And so that one, there was no way John Gruden was going to be able to get through that. I think there's going to be a lawsuit no matter what, even with the resignation. I think probably Gruden's agent was probably working with 
the ownership and the Raiders front office to figure out what sort of compensation package it would be in exchange for Gruden resigning. We already know that the Raiders are facing potential bankruptcy because they have a lot of financial issues dating back to their time in Oakland. And then the funding of the Las Vegas stadium and the move and all that stuff is putting the Raiders in financial strains. So that's already a problem there. So I think there was no way Gruden was ever going to be able to walk back into that locker room just from a PR standpoint of the Raiders organization did not have this information in the past. Now they have this information and they have to evaluate it under that circumstance. So, and they would have decided to move on from John Gruden, even if John Gruden doesn't resign. I don't know if Gruden recognized that it was over and he both were on the same page or the Raiders had to inform him that it was over. I don't know what the conversations were there. I was listening to Sally Jenkins of the Washington Post today, and she was talking about who could have leaked the information to the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. And there's a few interesting cases here. It could be someone within the Washington organization who potentially wanted revenge towards Bruce Allen, who, as you mentioned, was their team president, I believe for 12 years, he was the president of the Washington football team. It could be someone within the NFL Players Association who are now calling for the release of all of the emails pertaining to the Washington football team story could be someone within the investigative team who's frustrated by the progress of the investigation because it is technically an NFL investigation. So take all of it with a grain of salt. The NFL ultimately protects their own interests and Roger Goodell works for Dan Snyder. It's one of his 32 bosses, even though apparently like for the last 16 months, Dan Snyder hasn't been running the Washington football team. They've kind of just turned the franchise on autopilot and kind of told Dan Snyder that you can't be involved in the day-to-day operations while they're investigating. But still, Dan Snyder is for now technically one of Roger Goodell's bosses. So maybe there's someone within the investigation that leaked it or the weird conspiratorial one, which is the NFL leaked it because there is a lot of bad information that is going to come out. And so if they distract us with this little bit of news about John Gruden or news about Adam Schefter having journalistic credibility issues, and that's the stuff we can eat up and John Gruden takes the fall, maybe we can protect Dan Snyder a little bit more. And maybe just maybe Dan Snyder gets to keep his team instead of being forced to sell like what happened with Jerry Richardson and the Carolina Panthers with all the Me Too stuff that surrounded that. So all of that to say, this was something that was a logical conclusion. It's unlike anything I've seen in the last 10 years of being able to kind of understand this stuff. It's a really interesting situation that we will now pivot into talking about the Raiders as a football team outside of because that's the nature of football, right? Is that the Raiders are going to have to move on as a franchise and as a team. And just like the last 20 years of Raiders history, it feels like the Raiders just get, you know, kicked in the behind whenever something good happens. All of a sudden, everything you thought was good and well about the first real identity the Raiders had of the last, really since Al Davis died. You have an identity of the Raiders outside of the son that has a terrible bowl haircut. It's not what you thought it was. And now you're looking around and thinking, where are you at this point? Because the Raiders are still a pretty good football team. 
It's just that now they have to act as most teams do when your coach gets fired, which is like, are we punting on this season? Can we rally around this? Do we want to rally around each other? It's it's a weird situation that's going to be weird to talk about given everything that's going on with the organization. It's definitely been a turbulent week for the Raiders when you think about game blown out on Monday Night Football. Then you have the loss against the Bears. You have the first email league. And then obviously you end in John Gruden's resignation. I think the resignation gets a lot weirder when you talk about the fact that he had the most secured coaching deal that we've ever seen also in our lifetimes. That 10-year deal is just not something you see an NFL coach ever get. And it was obviously because of the close relationship between Mark Davis and John Gruden. I've heard conspiracy theories saying, yes, this was the NFL leaking this because they not only want to get Gruden, but eventually they want to tie this back to Mark Davis because they want him out of there. Now, that is a theory because obviously Mark Davis, you mentioned the financial troubles of the Raiders. Would they like to get someone like a Jeff Bezos in there or someone with more high esteem that has outside interests outside of football to elevate this new Las Vegas venture. Now that's neither here nor there. That's all hearsay at the moment. You talked about wanting to give John Green the benefit of the doubt. And I did. I I really did coming off of the uh, first initial set of comments, whether it be the rubber lip thing and, Now, I should say this beforehand. I obviously disavow anything that John Gruden said, the totality of it, everything in a vacuum. But we'll go through each kind of like statement one by one and where I kind of was on initially looking at this story here. When it came to the Demora Smith stuff, my question on that one was when people were, well, is John Gruden just straight up a racist here? Is he saying this about Demora Smith, the black man? Or is he saying this about Demora Smith? Is he targeting him? Yes, obviously, talk about someone's lip size when they are a black man is a racial trope. And that is something that we should steer away from behavior wise. But mocking someone's physical appearance, well, again, not acceptable, doesn't necessarily mean that he has any kind of pure racial prejudice, maybe just a prejudice against Demora Smith. Okay, the Roger Goodell one. So calling Roger Goodell a pussy. Now, as far as that word, it's just one of those seven dirty words you don't say on television. I'm sure Roger Goodell has seen tweets, has seen emails, has seen calls, has seen fans, coaches, players all say that and worse stuff about Roger Goodell. I'm sure Tom Brady called Roger Goodell a pussy several times after the Deflategate scandal. But when we start getting into the other thing he was calling Roger Goodell, and that's one I won't say on this podcast. <laughs> it's yeah, just but one for, that... for people who don't know the story, it's the F word that's a slur for someone who is gay. That's the word that was used just for context, because Chris Mortensen did a story where he put explicit in there and we didn't know exactly what it was. But just for context, that's what word he used for context. Yes. Obviously, it's one that I wouldn't use. It's not one that I've ever felt comfortable saying in any context. But if you go into an Xbox gamers lounge, it's definitely one that gets thrown around freely. I think I once heard Bill Burr in a comedy skit say, if you walk down a street in Boston, it called it three times before you reach the end of the block. Now, 10 years ago, was it slightly more of an acceptable vernacular? Again, not saying it's right, not saying it's great word to use, but was it used a little bit more freely back in the day? It was. Now, here's where I think is where it really starts getting into fireable. Um, when you start talking about the female referees, because the NFL is not going backward. They're not going back to a time where there's no female referees. So if you have any kind of negative connotations towards that type of hiring, the NFL is not going to stand by you. The it's NFL be- would like to get to a place where they're hiring not just female coaches, but like multiple female head coaches in the league. That's the direction that Goodell and other people at the top have actually like made public, that that's somewhere that they'd like to move exactly. towards. 
Exactly. So the NFL is not going backwards in that regard. So you coming after that group is one that Roger Goodell and the NFL is not going to stand for. You could call Roger Goodell a pussy all day, but if you start questioning his uh, move to get the more diversity in the NFL, that's where he's going to give a little bit of pushback. Another one, talking about Michael Sam, talking about Jeff Fisher, a little less explicit, but still not great, saying that he felt the NFL and Roger Goodell were forcing the Rams to draft, as he called it, queer players. This is especially bad for the Raiders head coach, considering the Carl Nassib, who actually took a personal day today. I saw that was a story today. You were showering him with praise in the offseason. But if you're Carl Nassib, don't you have to think that's all fake now? Don't you have to like look at that and think, wow, this guy's literally calling out the idea of a openly gay player getting drafted. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I kind of came out openly gay this year, which is something that I, I kept very closet identity the previous couple years of knowing John Gruden. How do I know that this last four or five months since I made my announcement wasn't just a phony for the cameras type of, you know, kind of show all for show kind of thing. Yeah. And, and the thing that I think I've been proud of, of sorts, which is again, weird connotation given that pride means something different in this context. But the thing that made me feel good was that we have people in the media who are not making this all about like, what does Carl Nazib say as a representation of the LGBTQ community around John Gruden? I'm glad that we haven't done that so far because Carl Nazib was not openly gay until this year, yet he'd been in football locker rooms for 15 years in his life. Carl Nazib has encountered hundreds of people with similar beliefs to John Gruden, people who have probably said it out loud many a times in a football locker room, even still today. Like there are lots of people who think privately the same things that John Gruden does. One of them was coaching the Browns playoff game last year when Kevin Stefanski got COVID. Like there are people in the league that have this idea. So I'm glad that we haven't gone to that point in like treating Carl Nazib as like he is the representation for the LGBT community in this conversation because that's not fair to Carl Nazib. It's lazy on our part for trying to get like just a quote that we can throw out there as a representation for what do LGBTQ plus people think about the John Gruden situation. So to that point, maybe Carl Nazib did need a personal day and that's all good. That's Carl Nazib's way of processing it. I'm glad we're just not pressing him on it and adding more pressure than needs to be around this situation. All those combined factors are why, yes, John Gruden couldn't be the Las Vegas Raiders head coach anymore. But as far as how we can view John Gruden moving forward, now, is he a racist, sexist, homophobe? That is kind of like one of the things that people want to talk about with him moving forward. We had this conversation like in 2016, right? When the famous Trump grab him by the pussy tape came out, which is Mm -hmm. locker room talk. Obviously, John Gruden, in the context of these conversations, thought he was just talking to his good buddy, Bruce Allen. And I I guess this is where it comes down to like guys and the way we talk. Yes, do guys, like when we think we're just talking with buddies, is it toxic? Is that go back into that phrase like toxic masculinity? It can be. It, It can obviously be. There's always this showing off, this boisterous nature that guys have to be bigger than their buddy. I, when my roommate put it a great way, how many times have you told one of your friends, ha, I fucked your mom. Have you ever fucked one of your friend's moms? Vice versa. Has any of your friends fucked your mom? I hope not. That should not be a thing. <laughs> but, you know, guys always try to talk bigger than life or try and like talk shit. And when they think they're in a private conversation and now, you know, it kind of makes you wonder like, 
anything you put in writing, <laughs> you know, you have to wonder if that's ever going to bite you in the ass one day. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this was a this is a private email chain. Yes, it, it came out, and you know, we found out the context of it, and it ended up in a result that, well, now obviously not great for John Gruden, his family, everything of that nature, his future and television. Obviously, you can't even go back to ESPN after this to host Monday Night Football. That's just not an mm-hmm. option anymore. But you know, we found out a little bit of a nature of a person and a higher power of kind of like how they saw it behind the scenes. Okay. But it, it does kind of like worry me. I know this is an argument to the slippery soap type things. Like, have you ever been shitty in a Facebook group chat? <laughs> you know, I'm sure I have. Uh, I'm me sure personally, you have. yeah. Me personally, probably not in the same way, but I've seen people all the time who interact in that way. But I think I just don't see that as much anymore. And that maybe it's a generational thing, or maybe it's the fact that I live in a very much more progressive state and go to a school where most people are quite progressive. That's maybe just a generational difference around that. But like I've been in locker rooms before. I've heard people say racial slurs and racial taunts before. Like, I think this is going to go away more than we would want it to maybe with John Gruden specifically. Like, I think this is going to vanish and we're not going to learn the lessons around this of like, these are things that still very much exist. These are old tropes and stereotypes that yes as as older people who grew up around language of toxic masculinity which is a lot of comedy that's punching down punching down at people who have been oppressed across generations and yes that's starting to fade out slowly but steadily as we live in a social media world and we live in a world where you can be held accountable for these types of things and we ourselves think about how we've acted in the past when we see people like John Gruden take the fall and generally just the world gets more progressive as young people won't stand for this stuff anymore. It does. But one thing that kind of came to my mind, start of COVID, when we saw all those public freakout videos and everyone was in a surge to get people fired is these people don't just go away, do they? You know, like we get them fired, we get them canceled. They still exist within our society. Like, how do we move forward? What is the proper way to reintegrate these people because you know do we just say like john gruden walk away you're a racist you're a homophobe transphobic whatever you are go in that corner and we never hear from you again is that a proper way to progress as a society I think that these are larger scale issues. So like one of the ways to do it is in criminal conduct situations, reforming our court system to create better accountability, potentially like John Gruden, ultimately his punishment is that he's no longer allowed to work in the NFL. And in the grand scheme of things, that's not a terrible punishment. Like he still gets to have a lot of money. He still gets to have a lot of privilege and he still gets to go do something else with his connections and his resources. Just there needs to be some level of accountability. I think this is what has changed in a quote unquote cancel culture era is that we can hold people somewhat accountable. Now, there are going to be growing pains around this. Some people are going to be punished too harshly and some people are going to be punished too leniently. There's going to be growing pains as we figure all this stuff out. But I think the thing I've adapted on this is just holding people to some level of accountability. And this happens on a much grander scale when we talk about the fact that Bill Cosby has his freedom right now, or the fact that Harvey Weinstein was looking like he might be freed after everything that happened with him. Like these are larger scale issues that extend outside of sports and sports has versions of that as well that are, you know, when we talk about things that are more intense than saying a racial slur, such as committing a hate crime or committing murder. These are things that we just want some level of accountability. And when there isn't a level of accountability, 
accountability in systems that we've set up to give us accountability, all of a sudden we turn to like, well, maybe we can prevent you from making money or doing this job that you love. I mean, connected to Deshaun Watson and Trevor Bauer within sports, they're still making all their money. They're not going to prison at all. Their punishment is just they're not allowed to do this thing. They're not allowed to work is the only punishment we can hand down at this point is just for your conduct. The only thing we as a society can do is put pressure on you and shame you enough to make it so that you're not able to work for some extended period of time in terms of what is an appropriate level of time for John Gruden or an appropriate level of punishment for Deshaun Watson. I'm not the person to answer that question in this situation. I I am a white straight man. I'm not the person who should be doling out the punishments. On you mean this you're one. not the moral arbiter of the world, Kyle? No, I, I, I thought I was mistaken. I, I God, when I brought you on the slump buster team, I thought that that was the guy that I was bringing on. No, I you know, hey, listen, yeah, that that is a question that's much bigger and grander than us two on this podcast. That maybe people are listening to, maybe people aren't. But I think it is a question that we do have to answer eventually as a society, because it does seem like we get mad at these people for the day. And John Gruden, yes, you mentioned he has money, he has resources. It's not going to truly impact him in the same way that it would impact someone who had one bad day, a Karen moment put on YouTube. They're just gone from society. You know, that, that is one of the things that I'm just, I, I question as we move forward. That That's one of the things that I want to know the answers to as we progress. And did John Gruden have to be the one that took the fall in this one, be the fall guy for this situation? Yeah. It just makes you think like, if you've ever said something shitty, if you ever said something reckless, then maybe it, it just kind of like time to reflect because may, it, this is kind of, I'm not a huge faith-based guy, but I should say this. This is like one thing. There's that old story about not casting the first stone unless you're clean. I, mm-hmm. I think that we have to answer those questions. Are we truly clean, you know, to be casting dispersions on the guy like outside of the fact that he's already gone outside the NFL? That, that's yeah. my one thing. It's a slippery slope. And from where I stand right now, I think John Gruden is going to work again. It might be years down the road, but I do think John Gruden, if he wants to, can work again. Now, might John Gruden decide, okay, I'm going to go do something else. I've got net worth of $70 million. I'm going to go be a philanthropist. I'm going to go be an entrepreneur. Maybe that's what John Gruden wants to do with the rest of his life. Like This is a question he'll have to ask himself. Going into a locker room, you know that that can happen. Once you have those tags thrown on you, whatever those tags, those ist tags, they don't mm-hmm. come off really. They, they really don't. The internet has a short memory, yes, but there's there's names from the past that we still think of in that kind of way. Like someone like a Chip Cowley, like even though his was very loose, there wasn't really much to stick to him as far as people were throwing out racial issues with him. That followed him around to this yeah. day. You know, people still mention about it every now and then. Three examples around that right now, just real quick. So one is Art Bryles, who is not allowed to coach anymore. We've decided that Art Bryles still has not served his punishment of sorts. Is that because of everything that happened at Baylor and a university that turned a blind eye to sexual assault across many years, Art Bryles still is not allowed to be someone who is working with young people and in a position of power. Hugh Freeze, which is a less serious accusation. This is more of like a violating NCAA rules type of situation. It took him a couple of years, but he was eventually allowed back in. And the third one 
is Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino had a couple weird things in his past and NCAA violations and stuff. And then Strippergate happened and they basically told him, sorry, Rick, you got to go. He wanted to keep coaching basketball. That's where he draws his identity. And maybe that's where Rick Pitino stands at this point. And now he's going on the long rehabilitation tour to Greece and now coaching at Ayana in upstate New York. Like people will compromise morals even to beat Idaho State in football. I think even if it's like a division two school, someone will come through and give John Gruden a job because people who have done worse have also gotten these jobs. Now, was John Gruden's more public than most people? Yes, but I think that's just the nature of the job that John Gruden was working, being outside of Bill Belichick, I think the second highest paid coach in the NFL up to this point. So I think just the nature of that is going to let John Gruden back in at some point when that'll be again, I'm not the moral arbiter on this. Maybe he won't come back in and maybe John Gruden decides he doesn't want to coach again. But I think over time he will be forgiven. And to your point before about we need to sort this out in some kind of way to like find out what is fair and appropriate punishment for bringing people who are and putting this in air quotes canceled back into society i think it's just going to be more trial and error and hopefully the systems around that can set up an accountability measure so that we don't have to do so much public shaming of people who come from a previous generation or come from a, again, lazy, racist, stereotypically homophobic, misogynistic. I think part of me trying to be the devil's advocate here is I think it is too easy to be in the pile on culture. Yes, we run a meme page too. You know, I should say that. So we pile on occasionally and it would be easy for myself. It would be a lot easier for myself to be on the pile on crowd here, you know? So one of the things I talked about on Take It Easy on Tuesday was the other story that was going on in the meme world simultaneously, which is jokes about Jackson Mahomes and Brittany Mahomes on the internet. And I look at that and I'm like, these are just lazy stereotypes that you're doing right now. You're basically just telling someone with a famous husband and she is not famous shut up you are a woman and you're, you're basically, a gold digger yeah i've seen yeah, all that stuff like, for and then for jackson mahomes's tiktoks people are being antagonistic towards lgbtq plus people even though jackson mahomes is not gay he's just doing tiktok dances and has a somewhat high-pitched voice and so people are being antagonistic because i mean this is again like this is the stereotype like i'm just saying people yeah. basically are being lazy and saying, LOL, that's gay. I don't like that. Stop doing that. And it's just lazy stereotypes that unfortunately, larger meme pages with more clout than even you and I are making the same jokes. And it makes me disappointed to see it because I was doing some of the stuff with Juju Smith-Schuster last year and like playing into it because it was easy content. I feel like disappointed that I made those jokes. I realize now that those jokes are kind of playing into bad stereotypes and I don't partake in those anymore. The Gruden joke I made is making fun of Dan Snyder because that's punching up instead of punching down. It's yeah. better to make jokes that way than it is to to play into the piling on of John Gruden or Carl Nazib or making jokes about women kind of thing. Like what people would call edgy memes, which is 
again, we're doing football content here. You don't need to be edgy in terms of making fun of women, LGBTQ plus people or non-white people. You know, it's funny you mentioned kind of like the LOL, that's gay. I think that's, again, kind of like goes into how language has continued to evolve. The fact that saying LOL, that's gay, like um, 10 years ago or when I was growing up, certainly like was not really that much of a thing. It was like for you to say, ah, that's dumb. That's stupid. That's whatever. But now, obviously, we kind of know that it has a different meaning and, you know, it does kind of offend people. So now I've curved that behavior. And if you're like someone randomly posting on Twitter, you have to think about stuff like that. You have to know mm-hmm. that like, if you're maybe going for a job hire, you know, we're talking about this for a guy that's making a hundred million dollars a year, but for you, you have to monitoring of kind of stuff you say openly and publicly, you have to yeah. adapt as well with the times. And I, I think that's one of the things that we could probably take away from this situation is kind of like learning behavior. I was just going to say, even when I was in middle school and high school, like people would say that all the time, but I I think back then we just didn't really care. We kind of knew if we were talking to someone who we knew was gay, we weren't going to make gay jokes. When we were talking to someone who was a girl, we're not going to make misogynistic jokes. But then when you have people from similar backgrounds all together, that's when all of a sudden real character comes out because people feel like you can say it without having any repercussions for it. And that's where toxic masculinity and everything that we've been talking about kind of festers out. I think it still exists today. I think it's just the best way to do it is to bring people from different backgrounds together to have not just one gay friend, but multiple gay friends and having multiple friends that are not the same race, gender, sexual orientation as yourself. That's actually the best way I've learned how to not be in these situations or find myself seeing someone be antagonistic and realizing there aren't repercussions for it. And then just be an ally for those people. It's important that people in the majority voice the minority opinion because that's how society is going to get better in the long run. (laughs) All right. So I think we've talked in and out of that situation as much as we possibly can. Now, I guess we actually got to talk about the game. <laughs> so I have the Broncos this week. And uh, the oh, reason- yeah, the Broncos. <laughs> Don't say. And, yeah. I want to make absolutely sure here this week that we don't forget the picks for the take it easy pick em pool. We forgot to do that on Sunday in the chaos of it all. And since we... Have a little bit of time here at the end. I want to deliver two of our Pick'em Pool picks for the week. Myself and our buddy Walter Mitchell over on the Red Rain Podcast and writer for SB Nation's Revenge of the Birds for the undefeated Arizona Cardinals, who I will kick off this segment to kick off the weekend by Doon Doon locking in the Arizona Cardinals at plus three and a half against the Cleveland Browns. This line is moving well in favor of Cleveland. I think it started off at one and a half and now it's at three and a half for Cleveland. So people are betting the Browns. I'm going to be a contrarian and take the undefeated Arizona Cardinals who not only are the last undefeated team in the NFL, they've also been the last undefeated team in the NFL for about 13 days now. So good on the Arizona Cardinals. I'm locking them in against the Browns. Also locking in an underdog, the Carolina Panthers, plus two and a half at home against the Vikings this week. Sam Darnold Revenge Tour's got to win at some point, right? Like we said, there was a scenario where they start 7-0, and even if it was totally improbable, but they've now lost two in a row. They kind of blew one against the Eagles, 
and then got smoke-chode by the Dallas Cowboys, kind of proving that the Panthers, like the Broncos, were a Mirage 3-0 team. But I like the Panthers this week to get to 4-2 against the Vikings. So, Dune Dune lock in the Carolina Panthers. I'll lock in the Miami Dolphins, the greatest football team, who run the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl. I'll take the Dolphins in London this week. They are three-point favorites, so I will take the Dolphins and the three points against the 20 consecutive lost Jacksonville Jaguars. I will take the Ravens against the Chargers. The only reason I'm taking the Ravens against the Chargers as two point, well, two and a half point favorites. The reason I am picking the Baltimore Ravens is because our friends over at Bet Online Sportsbook have the Chargers with 79% of bets against the spread right now. So the house knows something that I don't. So I'm going to take the Ravens to counter the public. And for the final bet of the week, I'm going to ride heavy with the public and take the Green Bay Packers minus five and a half against the Bears. It makes me concerned that the house knows something I don't, that the Packers are like getting 85% of the bets, according to our friends at Bet Online Sportsbook. But even still, I think the Packers are going to beat the Bears because Aaron Rodgers always beats the Bears. And uh, we can play this magical song hopefully when the Bears lose in chaotic fashion to Aaron Rodgers. Bears still suck. The Bears still suck. The Bears still suck. The Bears still suck. The Bears still suck. They really, 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 really suck. Yes, the Bears still suck. All the ladies now. Every year after the Packers beat the Bears, I play that song and make an edit on the Instagram. We've been keeping the tradition alive for three years now, and I look forward to year number four coming this year against the Green Bay Packers. So I will take the Packers and hope that we can play that song this week. Now, without further ado, to wrap up the podcast week, let's send it over to our buddy Walter Mitchell with his five locks of the week for the Take It Easy Pick'em Pool. Tonight we have Bucks and Eagles. Bucks are six and a half point favorites. Oh. That's tough. Um I can sub in another game here as well if you no, would I'll, like one. There. I'll go Eagles. All right, rolling with Philadelphia tonight. I like it. The They're at home, right? Bowl. Yes, it's at Philadelphia. Yeah, Eagles. Uh, Bengals at Lions. Bengals three and a half point favorites. Bengals. Ooh, that was an emphatic pick for the Bengals. Yep. All right, feeling good about that. I guess that's fair. The Lions are there, but the Bengals have been really good this year. I'll give them credit. They've been, yeah. even though I don't think they'll make the playoffs because their their schedule is just atrocious to end the season. But uh, right. I think they've been awesome this year. Me uh, too. 
let's hear Texans and Colts. Colts are ten point favorites. Colts. Yeah, Colts have got to win one of these eventually. That's kind of what I'm thinking. They got to win. Eventually, they're going to win one of these. Um, I love the. I made a post on the Instagram about it that was kind of viral. That right now, if the season ended today, the Eagles would have the number five pick from the Dolphins, the six pick from the Colts, and their own number nine pick at this point. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, wow. things are going great yeah. for the Eagles right now, yes. even though they're kind of tanking. So it's been a fun start. Uh, Eagles Cowboys, aren't tanking. They had a great win. Oh, I just meant the team coming into the year was set up, designed to lose. Oh, yeah. Not like, okay. they're, not like they're intentionally losing games. Like, they okay. came into the year designed to fit. All right. Gotcha. Uh, Cowboys, Patriots. Cowboys, three and a half point favorites. Patriots. Rolling with the Patriots. Your hometown team at this point. Even if it's not your favorite team, it's your hometown team. So, uh, Finally, we got Bills and Titans. Bills are five and a half point favorites on Monday night. Bills. All righty. That is a pretty good lineup here. So you got Eagles, Colts, Bengals, Patriots, and Bills. Wait, Eagles, Colts, Bengals, Patriots, Bills. Yes. Okay. 